Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For a while, I actually thought I was white. I felt white. I knew I looked different but didn't really notice it until kids started pointing it out. I think it was not until kindergarten or first grade, there was a more self-awareness. I'm not like everybody else. I'm different. That's when I started to be like, being Chinese is actually very beautiful. It was time for me to be proud of who I am. It'd be such a shame for me to just hide a part of me. If you can't embrace who you are, how can you embrace others? So I think up to the day when I was able to be like, you know what? I'm just going to eat what I'm going to eat. I'm going to have small eyes. And you know what? I love it. I am Alice Sue, and I'm a modern minority. Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is the show about work and life told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Raman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow, but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you, for all of us. Today we're talking to a familiar voice that you might recognize. It's my good friend, Alice Sue, who has been on our podcast at least twice in the past. She has joined us for a panel discussion about education because Alice is a teacher. And she also joined us for our very first Lunar New Year's uh, episode from last year as well. What I absolutely love about this conversation with Alice is that I've personally known her for over 20 something years. And I feel like I've had learned so much about her, so much about what makes her tink, so much about her own childhood. And we spent a lot of time talking about food, which is such a big part of heritage and such a big part of culture. Alice grew up in Canton, Michigan, as one of a very small handful of Chinese kids in her area. So I think she had mentioned she's maybe one of two families in all of Canton of Asian descent. And her upbringing there really shaped how she felt about her own culture as she was growing up. And she tells us stories about bringing lunch to school and being made fun of because of just all the different flavors and shapes and colors and textures and aromas that probably came out of her bento box at the time, as many of you guys can probably relate to. And how she eventually, as she gets older and starts to realize that what makes her own identity unique and special is her connection to her culture, how she starts to embrace that and how that becomes such a big part of who she is. What I feel to be the most fascinating about this is by the time I had met Alice, she was already in her 20s. Alice showed up at our doorstep, kind of filling the space for an empty slot that we had in our apartment. So she was kind of subleasing from one of my roommates. And Alice stayed with us for a summer. She almost every night cooked these incredible dinners. And she would make home-cooked meals and, and comfort food that her mom had made for her. So just these amazing Taiwanese dishes, tomato and egg over rice, or steamed fish, or she'd just go all in and make like, you know, braised pork ribs and things like that. And first of all, I felt like we were the luckiest ladies in town because to have your roommate cook for you in your early 20s and have them be such gourmet meals was amazing. But secondly, it was just so interesting hearing Alice's upbringing because I had no idea that for a large part of her childhood anyway, she kept a lot of that hidden. And the Alice that I know today is someone who's proudly Taiwanese American, who speaks the language beautifully, who cooks these incredible, incredible recipes, 
for all of her friends. And so to hear her journey, to hear all of the challenges that she had gone through and to hear how culture and heritage is such a big part of who she's become was just such an amazing thing for me as someone that's known her for over 20-something years. So I hope you enjoy this one-on-one chat that I had with my very good friend and hopefully your new friend, Alice Sue. Hi, Alice. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Sharon. Thanks for having me. Alice, I feel like we've had this conversation already. Because <laughs> we technically have. Um, but also because you've you've been on our show now at least twice, mm-hmm. making your cameo appearances. And I'm really excited because this is a first real sit-down conversation where we're going to get to know you. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. And I've been having fun. Thanks for dealing with my terrible tech um, <laughs> abilities. It <laughs> as happens. Well. Uh, in this modern day and age. Exactly. And Roman's not here with me today. So flag solo, uh, which is always a dangerous thing. <laughs> so Alice, I've known you for over 20 years. We've known each other since college. And Yeah. Wow. And I feel like... I feel like I'm going to learn so much about you, but I just want to like dive in. And I'm sure when people meet you for the first time, I bet they ask, where are you from? And so Alice Sue, where are you from? I'm from Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> and how often do they ask you a follow-up question of where are you really from? Oh gosh, like all the time. I mean, if it's a stranger who doesn't know me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most likely they're going to ask, no, 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 no. Where where are you really from? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do you really want to know the town I'm from? That's a town outside of Detroit, <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> no, 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 no. Where are you really from? I'm like, my mom's womb. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, no, you you know what I mean. Okay, where, where is your mommy and daddy from? Right. Oh. Right. That's what you want to know. Okay. My mom and dad are from Taiwan. And then, you know. (laughs) And then it proceeds. It proceeds. So mom and dad, mom and dad are from Taiwan. Yeah. How and when did they come to the U.S. and and why Canton? Like, how did that happen? How did they come to the U.S. and why Canton? Ah, the million dollar question. Because I'm like, why Michigan of all places? (laughs) It's so cold here. Like, why not California? Right. Why not New York where all the sun is and cool people are? Exactly. My dad, my dad had the opportunity to come to the U.S. because his oldest sister came to Michigan. Uh, She followed my oldest aunt on my dad's side, had gotten married and her husband was a Ford engineer. So naturally of all places, they landed in where the big threes are, which is Michigan. And at the time, I think my dad, if my dad was not joking and was being serious, he didn't do that well in college. And I guess, you know, being competitive in most Asian countries, if you didn't do well in school, your future career, you know, will kind of just, you know, follow a certain calling. So I think naturally um, coming to the U.S. seemed like a better opportunity. Uh-huh. So my dad ended up following my aunt to Michigan. Um, I think he got himself enrolled in a business program at University of Detroit Mercy, took some business classes and decided, you know, he wanted to pursue the business or entrepreneur career. and. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's pretty much how you landed there. When did he meet your mom? My dad met my mom when they were in college. They're two years apart, so my dad's older. Mm-hmm. The story goes is my dad was helping one of his other sisters. So my dad is one of the youngest of six sisters. And my aunt was moving out of her dorm room. My dad was helping her. And then... My mom was moving in to my aunt's dorm room. Uh-huh. So they didn't know each other. And I think it was just in passing of that my dad was just helping move. 
and then just made a pass on my mom, I guess. So I was like, oh, you're moving into my sister's room. How are you? My name is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm Mr. Charming. Let's go out. <laughs> <laughs> Total, totally hitting on fresh the, meat. Yeah, the fresh meat in school. Exactly. Good for your dad. <laughs> So this was this was back in Taiwan. So they they met mm-hmm. in Taiwan. Yep. He didn't go to that school. So they he were didn't, dating. No, my dad did not. Definitely did not go to that school because it was an all girls school. Got it. Got it. <laughs> they dated. Mm-hmm. I heard there was lots of like visits because my dad was in a town two to four hours away. So lots of like just taking the train, meeting at the train station. My dad making fun of my mom not knowing where my dad was. My dad's like secretly sitting on a bench watching my mom trying to look for my dad. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so like I hear funny stories like that, but I really don't know what happened in between. It sounded like they dated for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like long time as in like years, as in like more than five years. Right. But I think for a while, my dad came to Michigan shortly after he met my mom. Mm-hmm. So they were actually long distance for a while. Like, I think long distance for about five years or so. Maybe yeah. less. I don't know. But I remember seeing letters or like little postcards and like little love messages from my dad to my mom. So I think they dated long distance and they didn't see each other much. I think one day my mom was like, when are you coming back? I need to get married. <laughs> like, hello. It's yeah. been five years. She's yeah. like, I'm in my late 20s. That is really old for right. someone in Asia. Yeah. <laughs> Come get me now or I'm going to go meet someone else. Yep. So I think my dad took that cue, hopped on a plane. They got engaged. And then a few months later, he brought my mom back to the States. Mm-hmm. And then I think they were officially married and then I came along. Yeah. And I don't know anything about Canton except that it is spelled the same as Canton China. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I've never been there and you're 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 definitely one of the first people, you know, I've ever met uh from that area. Mm-hmm. So what is what is Canton like? I just described this to someone a while back, um not too long ago. Canton is very homogenous. Mm-hmm. It's a nice, quiet suburb outside of Detroit and Ann Arbor proper. But growing up, it was not very diverse. Um, everyone you ran into was white. Yeah. And were you the only Chinese family then in your in your neighborhood? Actually, that's a funny thing. We weren't. Huh. So who were these other people? These other people were my mom's close friends. Yeah. I think because Michigan, especially in towns where there's not much diversity, people end up finding each other. So my parents were lucky that they had a very close, tight-knit Taiwan community that they ended up meeting. Um, mm-hmm. And mostly, I think, through my aunt and my uncle. And I think they became close friends with this other family. And so... What most people do, if you have a town you want to move to, you want to try to get your friend to move there. So there was a new neighborhood where new houses were being built. My parents were finally getting upgraded from their tiny one-bedroom apartment. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they they found this community neighborhood. So either their friends found it or my parents did, but they decided they needed to be neighbors. So they were the other Chinese family that lived in the same neighborhood we did, but we were um, the only ones for a long time. But outside that town, there weren't that many other community. The only other families I knew of was my mom's friend who lives four out houses down the block and my aunt and uncle who lived in the next neighborhood like a five minute drive away. Yeah. But at school, yeah, like besides the one other black kid, mm-hmm. I was the only other minority. And then my younger sister. <laughs> we were we were the only Chinese people at our wow. school. <laughs> wow. So what was that like? What was it like being part of such a small minority? Oh wow. It was weird. Mm-hmm. Maybe it felt normal for a bit. I think for a while, I I actually thought I was white. Yeah. I felt white. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew I looked different, but didn't really notice it until kids started pointing it out. And 
I think it was not until kindergarten or first grade, I, there was a more self-awareness. I'm not like everybody else. I'm different. I'm mm-hmm. Chinese. And what does that mean? What would they do? You know, just stare a lot. I definitely remember kids looking at me a lot. I remember I was shy because I didn't know what quite to say. And also I grew up with two languages. So Mm -hmm. I think I would be confused too. I would be like, do they know Chinese too? (laughs) Right, right. And I think there was times I, I can't remember, but I think in preschool or kindergarten, I think teachers were trying to teach me that I need to speak English and not mix it up. And I think there was times I would be like maybe pointing at crayons and talking to kids in Chinese and thinking they would understand me, but they didn't. So then I just switched it to English. I'm like, oh, okay, they understand what I'm saying. But I definitely remember just being very observant of them, if that made sense. I felt like I was watching them a lot and just trying to do everything they were doing. I don't know if that's what kids did, but... And then I started feeling different when kids started asking me questions like, why is your nose flat? Mm -hmm. And like, I think kids were just, kids are kids. They're just going to be honest. But I think that along started feeling like, oh, I'm different. But does that mean I'm not normal? Because they're pointing out all these differences in me. Um. My eyes, you know, there's lots of times the kids are like, why are your eyes so small? Or like, like, why don't you open up your eyes? And I'm like, my eyes are open. Yeah. So feeling almost like they're not making fun of me per se, but making me feel like there's something wrong with me. And I Mm -hmm. feel like an urge of wanting to belong Yeah, And I felt like I didn't quite belong. And knowing that from a younger age, I knew I was a kid. I knew I liked to play with dolls or like I liked the color like all the kids. But I just always felt like there was something off. Like either kids wanted to play with me and talk to me or they did talk to me. It was like they were asking me questions that just felt kind of like, why are you asking me these questions? Why, Why can't we just play? Sure. Did you do anything? Or what were the types of things you would do to fit in in those moments? Oh, hmm. I think I would try to, like I said, I was observing them a lot. So I would try to, I guess, in a way, simulate what they're doing or, you know, they're playing with Barbie dolls. I also needed a Barbie doll and I knew that I wanted blonde hair. You know, I I wanted a pink dress. (laughs) I wanted to eat American food. I remember. One of my memories was like the lunch, the cafeteria. I remember having lunch and taking out my bento box out, like the million unpacking. Like I had my soy milk box. I had my steamed bun with the black soybean paste. And then kids were like looking and staring and watching me carefully, like I'm opening a Christmas present. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, they're like, what's that? I'm like, steamed bun. And they're like, is it good? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you want a bite? And then <laughs> they take a bite and they're like, ew, gross. And then I would bite into it. I'm like, it tastes good to me. And then, and then one kid one day was just like, oh, look at Alice. She's eating poop from her oh. butt. So mean. I remember that moment. I was so mortified. Like, oh my God, I can't eat my mom's lunch anymore. Like, yeah, my life is going to be like this every day. Like whatever I'm going to take out of my lunchbox, they're going to be curious about it. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to not like it. And then they're going to make fun of me. And so I just didn't like that feeling. I remember I was crying and I came home. I think my mom got it the next day or the next week. She like bought all these Lunchables. I don't know if you guys know what Lunchables are. Yeah. Yeah. Made by Kraft, but it's, you know, like basically Ritz crackers and salami and whatever. Unhealthy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but back then it tasted so So good. good. I loved it. Totally. As a a mom today, I'm like, you can't have a Lunchable again, honey. But yes, as a a kid, they were the best. So good. And um, oh yeah, the Capri Suns. I remember I was like, oh, I'm cool now. The Capri Sun coolers. I mean, they were really good too, but 
Yep. And I loved all the Asian food, but I just, that was the one thing I think I just like, I cannot go to school with this lunch. They are just going to rip me apart as a kindergartner or first-year-old. I'm like, this just can't happen. Yeah. Which is so weird because it's just food. Like <laughs> people can eat whatever they want. And I don't know, like people who are different, you just, if people don't know, they're just going to find anything to make you feel terrible. Right. And that's kind of a little bit of the rhythm I got in elementary school. There was lots of moments of bullying I dealt with or just the mean comments about my facial features. So I had good memories, but a lot of my memories are of me being different and how I could try to not, how not to embrace my Chinese self mm-hmm. and how to just be as white and be as American as they are so I could just survive. Right. Yeah, that's so interesting. The food thing is often what we hear from our uh, other guests. Mm-hmm. That is such a defining factor, right? Like, because that in many ways is representing home. You're bringing a piece of home into school. Oh, yeah. It's something that your mom made. And it, when you're from a different culture, you're going to be bringing in different types of food. And it's often, it's that element that can create that difference between people. And, and that really kind of is a cause of stress. So your mom starts to buy Lunchables. How long does this go on before <laughs> she's like, Alice, I'm, we're not doing this every day? Like, <laughs> or does it just kind of continue from there? You know, I think it went on for a bit. I yeah. think also at some point, maybe buying this was expensive. So they, my parents bought into like just buying the lunch package at school. Like oh, you can yeah. get pizza, yeah. you can get hot dogs. Yep. I remember there was Sloppy Joe Days. I yeah. loved Sloppy Joe Days because like <laughs> just never tasted something so good. And <laughs> we never got this at home. <laughs> but my parents are probably like the nutritional factor, just right. like, it's just so shot. But like, if that's what it takes to keep our daughter from being bullied or being mm-hmm. made fun of her food, so be it. Right, right. I think as I got a little bit older, I think slowly I allowed my mom to like include food that was just not as noticeably weird. Mm-hmm. or strange mm-hmm. where I would just learn to eat it really quickly or discreetly yeah, just so I could enjoy it and just in my own peace. But what kinds of things do you remember from that period? The foods that my mom would pack me? Yeah. Huh. I remember that like tong yu bing. It's like uh, the scallion pancake. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be something that she would pack. I mean, sometimes she would pack peanut butter jelly sandwiches, which is not very Chinese. No, those are actually not Chinese at all. Just so you know, that's not Chinese. <laughs> no, no, no. But I think those are the few times like to kind of mix it up so people would get confused. Yeah. But no, the steamed buns was definitely a staple. Like I, I really, I really love steamed buns. They were my favorite. Mm-hmm. We just had to be careful to not fill it with the, the black bean paste. Sure. So that the meat fillings was, you know, a little bit more easier, more palatable because it looks like meatballs. Sure. Yeah. And then the soy milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The carton soy milk was so yummy. Mm-hmm. I remember that would go in there. And oh, the tea eggs. Oh, tea eggs. So good. Yeah. Taya done. Yeah. Yep. That was a little weird. I'm not going to lie. They're brown. So people. They're brown and the eggshell cracks, you know, that will show. So it has that marbled look. And kids are just like, why is your egg black or brown? They're supposed to be white. They're used yeah. to like the hard boiled eggs. <laughs> so that seemed kind of like, okay, hard boiled eggs are easy, but no, it's a, it was a tea egg. Right. <laughs> but that right. would still get comments. But but yeah, that was, um, those are easy, easy. Oh, wow. I'm just like, I need to make that. I need to pack that for my own lunch. Yes. Now. Make some tea eggs for me, Alice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then there's like this thing called pork floss. Zoltong. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like this dried pork flake. So my mom would be creative with like, that would either go in the buns or like actually as a sandwich. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you just filled it instead of the peanut butter and jelly. It's with like the pork flakes right in the middle. Yeah. With whatever sauce or I don't know how she glued it together. Um, really mayonnaise. I've seen yeah. it on like sandwiches with mayonnaise. Okay, yeah. 
The thing about pork floss is it looks like furry, <laughs> furry, what would you say? Almost like furry pipe cleaners, right? Yeah. I mean, they're kind of, I mean, they're, 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 they're chopped up. So it's not like as long as a pipe cleaner, but they kind of look like that. And I can see how, <laughs> I can see how like to, to you know, to an, a kid, a, like, you know, middle of America, Canton kid, Alice is bringing in these brown eggs one day. Yeah. She's got, she's got steam buns with some kind of poo-like filling and now she's <laughs> furry yeah. pipe cleaners. <laughs> yeah. Like what is going on in that house? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and um, uh, dried seaweed. Dried oh, seaweed, yes. which is oh, now really. like such a popular oh. snack for like non-Asians, totally. apparently. So mainstream. But yeah, the seaweed and, you know, it looks like black paper or, you know, like you get mm-hmm. one stuck on your tooth and then it's like... Right. But yeah, those are really... Um, yeah, that was my basic lunch. Really yummy. I later eventually, you know, getting into high school, I was more confident, like whatever. Fuck these. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I swear on here? You can, you can say whatever you want on the show. F these kids. I'm going to eat whatever I want. <laughs> um, but yeah, as a younger kid, it was really, really hard. Yeah. Lunch was just unbearable. I think there was lots of times I actually sat by myself. Oh. The kids didn't want to eat with me or just they would just would not stop saying things. So the teacher would be like, you're just going to sit over here by us. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling me a story a long time ago Mm -hmm. about this must have been kindergarten, but it was early in your elementary school experience where Uh they enrolled you in ESL. Yeah. Even though (laughs) you weren't tested to be in ESL and you weren't an immigrant. They just assumed that English was your second language. Yes. What happened there? I don't know. I mean, they may they may have tested me because they had to show proof. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I remember first grade, this lady, and again, I knew her because the Chinese community was super small. Um, I went to Chinese school. So whoever you knew that was Chinese would just all show up on Saturdays and gather, but lived really far apart. But I remember there was this lady, I can't remember her name, but she came into my class. I recognized her from Chinese school. Mm -hmm. And she says, oh, my teacher, Mrs. Mason, she's like, you're going to go with her for, you know... 30 minutes or however long, you'll miss this much of class. And all the kids are like, why can't we go? We want to miss class. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I was like, just go with a nice lady. I'm like, all right. She brings me into this room and I'm like, what are we doing? And she's like showing me flashcards and, you know, what is this picture? I was saying, I'm like, okay, are we done? She's just like, yeah, all right, bye. I'm like, see you later. I had no idea what we're doing, but I'm like, all right, I just got one-on-one time with this lady looking at flashcards and, you know, like I get to play with these smelly markers and there's, I remember this mango. She's like, what's the name of this fruit that you smell? I'm like, mango. She's like, oh, my mango. I'm like, mango, mango. She's like, mango. I'm like, all right. And I later find out she's an ESL teacher and I was confused. I didn't really know why I was I really think they needed a student. She needed a job. And I fit the demographic of someone who needed English as a second language. Wow. And it was interesting because I was the fastest reader in my first grade class. And you were reading in English, right? I was reading in English. Mrs. Mason would read us James and the Giant Peach by Roald Dahl, which is still Mm -hmm. my favorite. It's a great book. I remember there weren't that many pictures and she would always call on me to read. (laughs) And it wasn't just to read one sentence. Like I would read a whole paragraph or something. And most of other kids are trying to like, you know, like read Cat in the Hat or... Barons yeah, and Bears. Exactly. I was reading. I was reading James and the Giant Peach. So it's still mind-boggling why a first grader was going to ESL but was able to read James and the Giant Peach in first wow. grade. That is crazy. <laughs> and you mentioned so this is elementary school. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that later on in high school or so, you became more proud of your Asian background. Yeah. What changed between? that time? Like what happened in your life or what was the moment that you decided to embrace it? Well, 
I think family has a lot to do with it. I think mm-hmm. I think my family knowing bits and pieces of what was going on. I don't think they were oblivious to the bullying that was happening to me. Yeah. I remember a lot of them were telling me to be brave or, you know, to stand up for myself. We went to Chinese school still. I wasn't like, I hate Chinese. I actually really enjoyed learning the language. And I remember watching shows and listening to the music with my family. And I actually idolized them a lot. I think knowing I was so different and dealing with the bullying at school, but then coming home, being able to have this other world that I was open to, like I loved the food. I loved the comedian shows. There was good looking pop stars to idolize. I felt like, I mean, like Michigan wasn't the only place I could live in for the rest of my life. So if I want to adapt, I still need to adapt to this culture or my heritage. But I had cousins who also lived with me. It's kind of like the full house effect. Mm-hmm. And I think just going through the whole bullying phase, there was a certain confidence at some point where we were just like, you have to push back. There was this girl who used to pull on my hair on the bus every single day. Hmm. Um, I was in the front and she would just yank on my hair so hard, like hairs would come out of my eyes. Wow. And it was definitely not an easy period of my life, especially being in grade school. I don't even think I was... Yeah. I, this wasn't first grade. I was, I was a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. I remember being very, very upset about it. I think my parents actually pulled me out of that school and enrolled me into private school because of that. But there was a different reason they gave me back then. But I think once I got to middle school, just started just being more confident in my own skin. I think I learned who my friends were mm-hmm. and who your friends would accept you for who you are. I think that's when I started to be like, you know what? You know, being Chinese is actually very beautiful. You know, people's ignorance, you know, they don't know. And sometimes it's out of jealousy. And I feel like it was time for me to just really embrace it and be proud of who I am. And we're just such a beautiful race. And there's just so much to offer that it'd be such a shame for me to just hide a part of me. And I mean, physically, I I just look Chinese. So Mm -hmm. I think if you... If you can't embrace who you are, it's almost like, how can you embrace others? So I think understanding a little bit more of who I am, being accepting of my culture, being accepting of my food, not being embarrassed about it, I think Uh came along a feeling of like relief or like feeling free. Sure. I was like trying to keep up of like, I need to be like them. I need to have blonde hair. And I feel like it was always me imitating or me being somebody else who I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I think up to the day when I was able to be like, you know what? I'm just going to eat what I'm going to eat. I'm going to have small eyes. And you know what? I love it. I'm going to have black hair. And if I want to dye it, I'll dye it if I want to. But it's going to be straight and you guys are jealous of it. So be it. Was middle school more diverse or was it about the same? And it was just the thing that changed was was you yourself. Middle school was a little bit more diverse. There was another Asian girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> she was adopted. So that's, that's 200% more diverse. Yeah. There was a few other Black kids. So it wasn't just one Black kid. Uh-huh. It was a few other Black kids. Okay. And I think, oh yeah, and then there was a sprinkling of Indians. <clears throat> so yeah, it was a little bit more diverse, but for the most part, it was still very, very white. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I got to high school where it got a little bit more diverse, but more diverse as in, I was still one of the few East Asians. There was a few more Chinese that showed up, but the majority of the Asians were actually Indians. So more of my friends were Indian that were of my Asian friends than of yeah. somebody else that was Chinese other than my sister and my cousins. Interesting. 
So fast forward, you know, there's high school, there's college. I can, mm-hmm. We kind of knew each other in college because we went to the same. Yeah. Uh, we didn't go to the same school. We, we were in the same sorority. So we sort of knew each other. But you arrived in New York and you needed a place to live. At the time, I was literally in a one bedroom. I think it was originally a one bedroom, right? It was only supposed to be a one bedroom. One bedroom, one bathroom apartment that we were sharing with amongst four girls. <laughs> True story, right? Yeah. And so our roommate who was living in the living room was doing something. I forgot what it was. Was she going away for the summer? I think she was wanting to save up for the summer or like, yeah, was in limbo of deciding on something and so was subletting for the summer. Right. So she was going to be gone for a couple months. I can't remember. I feel like she went somewhere. I just can't remember what she was doing. <laughs> our, our living room spot opened up and I posted this open vacancy. I wouldn't even call it a vacancy. I posted this like 500, not even 500, like 200 square foot space in our living room for anybody that wanted to to check it out. And you showed up. Yeah. And you had just moved from Michigan at the time mm-hmm. and you joined our little crew and it was you and then me and two other, two other Asian women as well that we had kind of, well, actually, no, you didn't know the other two, did you? I didn't. No, no they were your roommates, but we got right. really close. Yes, we definitely became really close. But one of my first memories of you, so I didn't, I, I didn't know you very well. No. I just kind of knew who you were and stuff. And I come home one day and of course, so this little apartment is always a mess because there's way too many people for way too little space. (laughs) And it's four women in their 20s and like literally we all have the same schedule. It was like the silliest thing. When I look back on it now as as, as like more of a grown up, I'm like, I would have organized this so that I was living with people with different schedules. Like maybe there's a bartender, you know, and maybe somebody that only works on the weekends, but we all had nine to five jobs. So we would all wake up around seven o'clock and literally all four of us would be in the bathroom together. <laughs> so I know things about you that I'm sure no one else knows, Alice. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and it will say that way. And vice versa. <laughs> exactly. But like all four of us in the bathroom together, sometimes sharing the shower anyway, <laughs> um, and all of that. So very, very intimate relationships. And I came home from work one day and the house had been cleaned. Like, Kind of top to bottom, as if someone's mom had come. (laughs) And you were in the kitchen making, I'll never forget this, tomato and eggs, Taiwanese style for dinner. Oh my gosh, you remember that. I remember this distinctly because I was like, who the hell is this person? And Joanne is never being invited back (laughs) because Alice has now taken her spot permanently. (laughs) So Joanne, if you're listening, I had a moment where I was like, no, you have officially been replaced, Joanne. But it's funny hearing you talk about the earlier time of your life, because when you showed up, I feel like you were so in tune with your Taiwanese side. Like I actually, I actually would have probably pegged you as being a little bit fobby even. (laughs) (laughs) This would like, especially from a food perspective, but like you were into a lot of, and I guess maybe it wasn't just Taiwanese because I, cause I feel like you were also really into K-pop and, but you were really into like Asian culture and, and really embracing that. I'm just curious, like where in your journey did some of that come into play where like you became someone who literally would just like move into some new apartment in New York and just start <laughs> cooking Taiwanese food every night. I mean, it was so great. Every night you would like Maybe not every, but like a couple times a week, you were totally making dinner for us and just, (laughs) you were like the Taiwanese mom none of us ever had. Like it was amazing. I know. (laughs) I was like, I was your private chef. (laughs) You really were? Yeah. And, and, and made and all of that. Like you'd be like making our beds for us and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's really weird that you bring that up. I never saw myself as being super Fabian, super Taiwanese, (laughs) but yeah, I think. It's really weird. It could have gone both ways, right? I grew up in Michigan, so I could have been this like total opposite of like, I'm a banana, like just I'm yellow on the outside, but white on the inside. Right. And for a while, yeah, I felt like that. I wanted to deny my Chinese roots when I was at school 
But when I was home, I was just so Chinese. I think just my family, we just had a very strong hold on this is who you are. Mm -hmm. You're a person and we love food. So going back to the food, I just, my grandma, my mom, my dad, my aunt, everyone was just such a good cook. All of our gatherings were around food on any occasion, Mm -hmm. food, more food, more food. I think that was the one happy place I had when I was home. Yeah. The comfort food, as much as I had these awful stories of like what grade school was like and being made fun of and just trying to fit in. But I got a lot of exposure when I got to college. I went to University of Michigan. I remember, you know, one of the requirements was to take a history class, but like not just any history class. It had to be outside of your norm, like a sociocultural class. Mm-hmm. So I ended up science taking this Asian American woman class. And and it was just so cool because I was like, I didn't know there was Asian American women that were really good writers or like that were activists or, you know, just did so many great things. And nobody ever talks about this at school. Like right. we don't learn about them. We learn about all the white people. Yeah. And that's where I got recruited. Actually, I got recruited to our sorority from another sorority sister who was taking that same Asian American women's studies class. And I was rushing for a sorority, but originally my intention was to rush for a white sorority. Mm-hmm. And then I later changed my mind because I was like, you know what? I just want to feel like I belong. I want to do something different where I'm not always trying to be someone else. Mm-hmm. So let me just try it out. So I think I really started embracing my Asian Americanness during my time at Michigan in Ann Arbor, just meeting all the different Asian Americans from all sorts of different countries, learning about them and their experiences, how we shared a lot of the same experiences. Mm-hmm. But I, I loved learning. Like I, I really liked being a student. I think it was the one thing I was good at. As much as I was going through a lot of hurt, I think just hiding behind books, loving to read and loving to learn about different places. I think maybe I fantasized running away yeah, to a different country. So like you can only survive in a different country if you learn to speak their language or learn their culture. So I think I just started embracing, just let me learn as much about other people and different languages and cultures. But you have to know yourself too. So I think I started learning more about who I was Mm -hmm. during that time in college. And I think a lot of that came back to the food and that kind of grounded me. I think food, like you said, like around the roommates, cooking for you guys, cleaning for you guys. I don't know. I don't know. The cleaning is something that (laughs) should always come along the territory of friendship, but... Hey, it was beyond anything I've gotten from a lot of my other friends that I had known so much longer. Like you were like a godsend. It was just kind of like, it was almost like Mary Poppins. Like <laughs> you showed up, you were, you like, you know, had some magic tricks in your little, your little bag. And then the whole apartment was always clean. You were always making food for us. You like found ways to do really tacky things like play board games and oh, yeah. movie nights and like you were that person. But I just remember, I always just remember all of the meals that you made and they were mostly Taiwanese meals. Like, you know, you were really doing some home cooking for us in in the deepest way. Yeah. And- I think maybe because I missed home and mm-hmm. so through so cooking something is a way to get that. Yeah. And yeah, like I also, I will say I... I hate ripping on Chinatown, New York's Chinatown, <laughs> but it's, it's all <laughs> Cantonese and like it, yeah. there was not good Taiwanese food. So the only way to get good Taiwanese food, if I craved it, was to make it. <laughs> to make it yourself. I think, yeah. you know, cooking for one, cooking for yourself is never fun. So why not like cook for my friends? And we were all poor anyway. So we were, we were so broke. Yeah, so right. The only way to share our wealth, you know, like if it's not buying gifts is to, I guess in my way, my love language is by sharing my food. Yeah. I, I forgot about that because yeah, we were at a place where 
Postmates and all that didn't even exist back no. then. Uber Eats, uh-uh. right? So no. it would be either going out to a restaurant in New York City, yeah. which is like way too expensive. Yeah. I remember going on dates just to get free dinner. Yeah, yeah I'm, saying, I'm saying admitting that. to that now. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that would be one way to get dinner mm-hmm. or you would have to make your own food. Yeah. But there was like not a lot of Not a lot takeout. of options, no. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of food no. options too, because we live downtown. Right, right. And this was like right after September 11th. Mm-hmm. And so- Everything was closed. Of, yeah. But it was a whole different city back then. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, the other place to get food was happy hour. <laughs> That's right. Free That's drinks right. and then maybe free like drinks. a free pizza or d'oeuvre, exactly. cocktail, weenie, hot dogs. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or like, it depends on where you worked, but where I worked, you would get free dinner after 9 p.m. Oh my God, 9 p.m. You have to like convince yourself to work late to get free I would have food. to be, I'd be in the office till after nine because I'd get a free cab home and I'd be able to like order sushi for delivery or something. <laughs> Insane. The things that you do when you're 20 nothing and broke, right? Yeah. So can we talk about personal life for a sec? <laughs> sure. <laughs> when you think about relationships, right? And you think about culture and because that's such a, it's such a core of who you are and such a core of, of how you share with people. Have you thought about whatever you're looking for out there? Like, is he also Taiwanese or are you open to other things? So that's question number one. Number two is, what are your parents thinking? Like, what do they expect for relationships in terms of culture? Mm. Very good questions. And you'll get interesting answer. So to answer your question, is someone I'm looking for in my relationship, Taiwanese, the old me, mm-hmm. the old me that embraced my identity in college was, yes, he should be Taiwanese because if I can be attracted to someone, why not, you know, pass down the same genes, have someone or have children that looks just like me and the partner. Yeah. And... Yeah. That also killed two birds in one stone. I think my parents would have been super happy for that. That's what they naturally would want. And that's actually what they said. <laughs> my dad, at least. That was on his wish list. But my dad, I think, being in America for so long and just wanted the best for his kids. I have a sister yeah. too. I think happiness mm-hmm. came first. So to answer the first question, no, I don't need my partner or uh, to be Taiwanese or even be Asian. For a while, I did have that one. I think ideally, if they had everything, the smarts, the, you know, the same level of intelligence and funness for me, and I'm attracted to them, yeah, like that would just be the top ideal situation. Mm-hmm. But I've dated lots of different people. And I think over time, I think it just, it does goes back down to just who that right person is. And it doesn't really matter who they are physically or if you share the same background. I think having an idea and just being open to Mm -hmm. loving the same food, I think is important. So they definitely have to love Asian food. Nice. Otherwise, no, no. Like he can't be a meat and potato guy. So he has to be open to pork floss. He has to be okay with friends. <laughs> he has to like tea eggs. They have to have like the sows and black ear old egg. Oh. Yes. Oh, yes. Even those, those are even better. That is a deal breaker. Yeah. <laughs> but I think now that I'm older and I think they no longer have to be truly Asian. Mm-hmm. I think as long as we have the same right mindset and they like the food. I think I'm good. Okay. The second question, the parents, I think my parents are open. I think now that I'm just older, they just want me to just, you know, just go. Like just find someone. Just find someone. Yeah. Just find anybody. As long as he has a pulse, we don't even care. (laughs) Yeah. Just find someone (laughs) that treats you well and that you can just be happy with and... We'll go from there. We'll take it. Yeah. But the yeah. the old them, or I can't say them. I can't say my mom because my mom is pretty just, she's very calm and laid back. She never really even like asked about boyfriends. Yeah. It was more my dad. 
my dad definitely had his perceptions and stereotypes of different backgrounds. Sure. Did you ever bring home anybody that wasn't Asian to meet them? I have not. I think I knew not to. (laughs) And I think I never gotten so serious with someone to have brought them home to meet my parents. But I did bring home a nice Taiwanese boy back then. And I think Mm -hmm. that made my dad very happy. Mm -hmm. And I remember my dad having a conversation with like an uncle, like a, you know, like a friend. They were talking about the rankings of race that I could date. (laughs) Oh my gosh, really? So he actually went down there. Like, I mean, I mean, I feel like, can I share this? Um, If you want to. He went down the list. So like, Ideally, same like I just said, you know, naturally, if they're Taiwanese, same background, we know their families also from Taiwan. We just share a lot of similar cultural and political beliefs and foods. Sure. And even education. But he says, like, I know, I know that's a lot to ask, especially like we grew up in Michigan, right? You know, you can't just like mm-hmm. have her marry the only other Taiwanese American. Right. And he can't be ugly because he's also my dad's vein too. So. Wow. That's a tall <laughs> Taiwanese and good looking. My okay, dad's like, you know, criteria. like, it's like, you're allowed to be picky. You can be picky. You know, I'm not going to lie. We, we have good looks in our family. So you're allowed to, <laughs> you're allowed to be picky and not bring in someone that does not look good and carry down the genes. Right. And then second was, you know, second down that list of Asians, like was East Asian. So he's like, so they're not Taiwanese, then, mm-hmm. you know, then they could be Chinese, right? Chinese yeah. came after that. Like when we're in this whole political stance, Taiwan and China, he of would course. say Taiwanese yeah. over Chinese. And then after Chinese, then it could be Japanese. Interesting. Which was interesting because if my grandma was around, definitely that would be right. a huge problem. Yeah, my grandparents would be like, no. Yeah. Japanese would have been lower on that list. Right. So Japanese came. And so, you know, we love Japanese food. You know, Japanese has a huge, mm-hmm. really influenced Taiwanese culture as well. Yep. And then third, then he's like, uh, and then he was like hesitant saying he's like, then Korean by really with like, that would be the lowest, like the lowest priority. And then the friend said like, oh, like he said, I'm surprised you said Korean after Japanese. And he's like, yeah, because Koreans are known to be white beaters. (laughs) Oh, Lord. And so like, he's, I don't blame my dad. Like that stereotype kind of carries on. Um, Sure. And we, we did know of a Korean family and there was, you know, things that we would hear about. So like, Hmm. I don't. I don't blame my dad for thinking that way. Yeah. And he was just like, you know, what's best for my daughter? I don't want her to have to deal with certain things that we hear about. Yeah. And then after that, then uncle's like, okay, and then like, and then my dad's like, (laughs) then, you know, like, I guess the darker colored Asians, like the South Asians can come along. Nice. And then, oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. I, I need to go back. No. So after Taiwanese, it wasn't Chinese. Then he said white. He said white would be the his next Interesting. Yes, okay. Yes. So it's Taiwanese, then it's, then it's outside the race. Yeah. Then, then he then just, he went straight to white. And I remember him justifying this to the friend. Mm-hmm. He says, I know a white man will treat my daughter well. Because Asian men or Chinese men, you know, the stereotypes like will just not treat their wife as well as white men would. They would respect their wives more. And would just probably like treat him like gold. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. It was kind of like simple. It was like a simple answer, but kind of like totally. It kind of made sense because he's like, well, we kind of grew up the way we did, right? Like, so we expect the wife to do everything. And he knew that that was, he knew that was like an Asian stereotype. Yeah. And kind of had a certain way in the household. Mm-hmm. Because of who they were, it's so funny. I've I don't think I've ever heard that version before. That's the first. And it was like a cultural thing. Like I think him being in America, he saw how wives were treated by yeah by the Western culture, and it was very different. <laughs> so interesting. So yeah, and I remember he said that he explained that. I remember very very explicitly. So sorry. Yeah, the next one would be white. And then, did your sister ever bring home a white guy? I think she did. Okay. I wasn't there. Oh. 
Um, so it's hard for me to know what the reaction was, whether or not he was embraced. Yeah. But I know my parents acknowledged it because like his name would come up. Yeah. And so I think there was a trust that this man was going to be okay for my sister. And according to your dad's list, I mean, that's like yeah. second from the top. So that's all good. Yeah. Like better him than, you know, someone from Japan. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think my dad was probably also thinking generation wealth. Oh, interesting. If I like need to put that in there without him bringing it yeah. up, but there probably definitely was that too. Like knowing that, you know, this man grew up here or had ancestors, so they must have not struggled or if they struggled, they must have already struggled enough. Mm-hmm. That they got beyond that. And like, so we don't have to feel that going into it if we got married. Right. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Interesting, right? It's fascinating. Yeah. It really is because I've just never, I've never heard that breakdown, but I've certainly, I'm very surprised he went from Taiwanese <laughs> to white and then back to East Asian. It like, you know, that, yeah. that pivot. Mm-hmm. is unexpected. Yeah. And then there's, you know, like, I won't go down the list, but then there's like the little lower hierarchies that he kind of started. And I'm like, I don't even, Yeah, I'm not going to even bother. It's too complicated. Yeah. I remember the uncle staring at me like, are you going to bring one of them home? And I'm just like, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Okay. So if we were to turn back time and we were to go back to little Alice sitting on the bus in elementary school or sitting in the cafeteria with your bento box. Yeah. What's a piece of advice that you'd give to her today? Wow. It's not going to always be like this. Mm. You're not going to be alone. You're not alone. It will not be like this forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Because I'm sure in those moments, it it just felt like it was never going to be different. Yeah. Right? It felt like time just was never going to end. Mm-hmm. I was like, when is this day going to end? Or when is this, when is this suffering or torture or whatever you want to call it? When can I just be myself? Yeah. Yeah. And not feel afraid or like embarrassed or whatever, whatever feelings I was feeling back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you've discovered who you are and and you've proudly been able to express that in different ways, whether that's cooking for your new roommates or anything else, you know, watching, watching all those fun soap operas and, and other things that you ended up doing later on. So I'm glad you did that. Well, Alice, we've, I feel like I've gotten to know you even better, like even though I've known you for 20 something years. <laughs> so thank you for, for going so deep with me. Oh, you're Are you ready for speed round now, Alice? Oh, wow. Speed round? Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm all in. Perfect. And that's the wrong answer, as Rami would say. No one's ever ready for speed round. So, <laughs> oops. <laughs> well, good thing Ramen's not here. <laughs> exactly. What's one thing about you that no one expects? I can get very angry really quickly. Really? What's like, how are you when you're angry? What do you do? My face turns beet red. (laughs) And I just get very sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) I just, um, I just, I don't know. Something just overtakes me. Yeah. It's out. Have you seen Turning Red yet? No. On Disney. Oh, you have to watch it. Okay. You have to watch it. It's a new, it's pretty new. It's, it's probably been out for about a month now, but yeah. it's a new animation. It's all about uh, preteen girls uh-huh. and the main character changes into <laughs> a different character. And she, it's literally called Turning Red. But as you said that, it made me think of that. Really yeah. think of that. So I don't want to ruin the whole storyline for you, but sure. I think you'll love it. Actually. Yeah. Okay. So you get angry. I'm so glad I've never seen that side of you. Yeah. I've actually never seen you become a monster like that. I, I can become the Green Hulk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. What is, um, what's a book, movie, or television show with characters that you can relate to? Huh. 
this one, I feel like I might get stuck. This is rapid fire. <laughs> full house. <laughs> nice. Who are you in full house? Oh, God. You're DJ Tanner. Oh, You're totally DJ. No, right? I'm totally not DJ Tanner. <laughs> oh, who are you? Who are you on that show? Interesting. I don't know. Uncle Joey? I have no idea. What? <laughs> I don't think there's a character for me in there, but I just think my life was kind of growing up kind of like the full house effect. That's funny. <laughs> no, Uncle Uncle Joey doesn't sleep on the couch. No. Which one of them sleep on the couch? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> they all have bedrooms in that house. They have a big enough house. That's true. That's true. Um, what is your favorite mom dish? Oh, gosh. Wait, hold on. Can we go back? Amelie. Yeah, yeah. The movie, if I had to choose movie, Amelie. <laughs> okay. Like, I just feel like that's, that was totally me. Like, just wanting to go around and do nice things that, like, makes no sense. <laughs> and I have other priorities. But, I know, I just got to do something really nice. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. I love it. So, what is your favorite mom dish? Oh, well, you already know it, Sharon. I made it for you. <gasps> Tomato and egg over rice? Yeah. That's that's the Mama Sue special. <laughs> yes, I would say that would be. Although my mom doesn't make that very often anymore. Oh. This last trip I made, I went home for Christmas. My new favorite mom dish is yo fen. It's tiny sticky rice. Mm, yeah. It is so good. What does she put in it? A whole bunch of stuff. I had to ask her. It's like, you know, there's no measurements. It's just... Right, of course. You got to put some shallots, fry it up a little bit, this little dried shrimp, chop up some mushrooms, chop up some pork, marinate it, sticky rice. You got to soak it in the rice, soak it in the water first, then steam it. Then you like saute it in the wok, then throw everything together, a little soy sauce, a little oyster sauce, sesame oil, voila. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. Sounds so good. So good. Oh God, my mom, I can't wait for her to make it again. (laughs) And I don't know why, like, it's just, it's kind of not easy. Like it's not quick to make. It takes time. Yeah. Yeah. And you need all the right ingredients. You you need the dried shrimp. Yeah. Yeah. You need all the special, all the special condiments and totally. Yeah. But I mean, if you have it, you have it, but it takes prep. Like it's not like you have to do it overnight first, like of the soaking. Yeah. But yeah, for some reason, I just feel like I just miss that fragrant smell of the kitchen that my, when my mom's making it. Hmm. And to this day, I think it's the one thing that I need my mom to make. I don't think I've been able to master making it myself, mm-hmm. but that is on my list next. So next time you are in the same living room as me, your kitchen, <laughs> maybe that will be the next mom dish I make for you. Amazing. I will, I'm going to book a night on your couch just so I can uh, have some of your mom's specialty. <laughs> Let's do it. What is your least favorite food? I will not eat cottage cheese. <laughs> oh, I can understand that. I never really understood cottage cheese either because I don't understand when you're supposed to eat it. Yeah. Like, do you put it on crackers? You know what I mean? Like, it's a weird... It was strange. It was introduced to me in grade school mm-hmm. when I was trying to reject my Chinese foods yep. and embrace the American food. I tried to be as American by eating the cottage cheese. Ugh. They were dipping it with like apples, like fruit. I think it was like in the salad bar. Yeah. So yeah. It either went on your salad or went on the side. And then I remember this girl dipping her apple in it. Like it was like peanut butter on apples. And she's like, so yeah. good. I'm like, try it. I'm like, okay. Ugh. I was like, ah. And it's like chunky. Like I just never understood Chunky. Chunks. It looked yeah. like curdled, Ugh. like spoiled rice or something. Yeah. And it tasted rubbery. Like it was like a mix yeah. of mush, but then there was like this yeah. rubbery, chewy bit. Uh-huh. It just, no. I, and I tried it again. I tried it as an adult, I think a few years ago. Yeah. I think Whole Foods had like a, they had like some sampling of a cottage cheese maker. And mm-hmm. let me just mm-hmm. give it a go. Maybe as an adult, I can try it. You know, I can eat caviar. I can eat yeah. all those right. other weird stinky cheeses. Let me give cottage a try. Nope. Ew. Yep. Came right no. out of my mouth again. I stand with you on that. I, I had forgotten about cottage cheese, but it was 
It really was like in the 80s. That was what everybody was eating. Yeah. Because I think at the time it was like, it was like the fad if you wanted to lose weight because there's, mm. I don't know if it's like low fat or no fat, but it's it's supposed to be super healthy and it, it it's so gross. Probably it's healthy gross. probiotics and the calcium bite. Ugh. And it's not orange like the craft cheese. <laughs> yeah, but it's so gross. I can't eat it. No. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. Plus one for cottage cheese. Okay. Who's someone out there that you'd want to talk to on a podcast? Mm. I'd love to talk to Oprah. Yeah. Oh my God. What would you ask her? What is her favorite mom food? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could Google that and find it somewhere. I'm going to find you. I'm going to I'm find sure, an article. I'm sure she's, she's probably talked about it. <clears throat> I'm sure. It's, I, I feel like it's got to be like some soul food amazing you mm. know, thing that her mom used to make for her. All right. Last question. What does being a modern minority mean to you? Being a modern minority means being confident in your own skin and standing up for what you believe in. Yeah, I love that answer. That's a great answer. Thank you, Alice. You're welcome, Sharon. (laughs) Alice, thank you for this amazing hour of a discussion. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. I selfishly feel like now I have something that we've recorded and that we could listen to when we're 95 years old and you come over to my porch and we're, we're drinking like some homemade lemonade, amazing concoction that I've spiked with vodka and you make tomato and eggs over rice. Yeah. Can we plan for that? For sure. In like 50 years or so. Oh okay. my God. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. This was great. You're welcome, Sharon. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us, hi mom, at modmypod.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from you. That's it for now. I've been Roman Segel. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.